Hill, Merry Christmas Well Cafe, and Merry Quis Christmas Well. Uh, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsell. We have not met. Uh, you can tell I'm not Pastor David. He's preaching over there. I'm preaching over here. And you can tell the difference because I don't have hair on top of my head because I don't have hair on top of my head. Uh, he didn't have hair because he shaves his off. That's the difference between da David and I. But uh, nonetheless, today we're beginning uh, and continuing our Christmas series, A Baby Changes Everything. And that video was very carefully selected and put together uh, by our church leadership to communicate to you and me that this is a real event, a real child, a real family, a real God among us, and what that means and how special that is. And I want to kind of move into this today uh, about uh, the second, this second week in this with a story, true story, a family story. Uh, but a few years ago when our, uh, one of our grandsons was around four years old, around the Christmas season, it was really very cold outside. And he uh, and uh, my son, Michael, were home alone that morning very early. My son was still wearing just pajama bottoms, no shoes, no shirt. He, they were living in an apartment in those years, so he stepped outside on the balcony, uh, dressed like that to do something. And while out there, his little four-year-old grandson locked him out. Uh, well, here's how it went. Uh, first, uh, my son uh, pleaded, then he cajoled, then he begged, then he demanded, then he threatened to be able to come back in, still no entry back into the house. And I said, what was Henry doing? Well, every once in a while, he would come to the blinds, peek through the blinds, and see me out there, then shut them and go somewhere. He just kept doing that for really a long, long time. Well, after a while, his son uh, uh, opened up again, and, and they were able to talk a little bit. He said, Henry, when are you going to let me in? And Henry said, when I finish my show. <laughs> and, he went, and he went and sat down in front of the television set. I said, well, did, did he let you in after the show? He said, after 10 shows, he let me in. Well, that's a story that sometime uh, we might have similar events happen with kids in our lives. But in the light of that, I think we may do that sometime really with, with Christmas, with Easter, with Christianity, with Jesus, with our faith. We kind of open the blinds and peek a little bit. You know, we only have Christmas a few weeks of the year. Uh, don't even think about how many days you have before it happens. But it's coming pretty quickly. And then we put all the decorations up after that. Uh, Ron and I put ours out on Thanksgiving Day, took several hours. We enjoy doing that, putting them up and kind of bringing the, the season to into our home. We love that. You probably do as well. And so we, we, we're peeking. We're, we're looking a little bit at a time. You know, we're, we're laying out the nativity scene. We got to get the, get the Christmas tree up, putting the lights out, you know, tossing in a few bulbs here, some other decorations, a little Santa sitting there. You know, we all do that. But we're not careful, though. We're just peeking at the whole thing. And we miss the heart of Emmanuel. God with us. That's what the angel said this was going to be. Uh, the words of another angel saying that uh, he will save his people from their sins. And we centered around the idea of, of giving because God has given to us this beautiful good news that we, we symbolize in a Christmas, Christmas celebration and all we've made it to be. And then we also give as well. Part of our journey, part of our, our making life happen in the way that changes our lives and changes the lives of others. It's about a gift. Not the way it was in that world where we had the self-indulgence of the Romans, the people among Je in whom Jesus was born, or the judgmental, condemning way of the Pharisees, the people that, um, among those that Jesus was born. But instead, the sense of just generosity, 
giving, loving, serving, sharing, sacrificing God for us, those who follow Christ, who do the very same thing in how we live. Not to take a little peek at what that is, but to enter that by allowing Christ to fully, completely come into our lives, our churches, our marriages, our families, and how we interact with our world. And I firmly believe that's our call to do that. We worry about the world we live in. We look around us, and it certainly can be frightening sometimes. Uh, we hear this news and that news, and it's pretty constant. Today we don't hear it for a while. We hear it for weeks on end, so it's always out there for us. How do I respond to that? Well, I respond the way that God responded. I'm going to give you my son. Respond the way the church has always responded, serving others, loving, giving, blessing, transforming people's lives by touching their hearts. One of the amazing things that we do each year for Christmas for many years, and it grows each year, is the angel tree. Uh, and there are lots of ways to give to God. Many of you have given through the angel tree program. Some have not. It's fine. We give through our offering. We give other ways. We give to other ministries in our church, and we give angel tree. And we, we had about 800 uh, angels taken this year, and, and people have given. Most of you brought your gifts back already if you were one who did that. We brought, I brought ours back. Rhonda, we shopped together here Saturday night. We brought that back. Uh, Friday night, I'm sorry, we brought that back. Uh, 800 angels, silver angels, which are older people. Uh, and I've often uh, shared with a family, maybe at a funeral time, they talked about how, how significant that was for that family and, that, and that, that lady or that man who latter years of their life, church came by and brought them gifts they could open one at a time. And how special that is, that, that angel tree. Our, our homeless veterans is one of the trees that we have. Uh, we have Methodist Home, which is basically an orphanage in the sense that kids who cannot be in their own home or may not have a home find their way there and go through, all the way through school there, enter the, the world there, and what a difference they make in their lives, saving kids' lives, really, what's happened there. We have our own local children we serve all around us, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in our MISD school area, and that's, that's very special as well. Have refugee children that we serve. Rhonda and I just accidentally, really, wasn't on purpose, picked a refugee child. Uh, to buy uh, gifts for, and uh, it wasn't that hard until it came time to buy a doll, and we thought, okay, do we buy an African doll? Do we do we buy a, a, a white doll? Do we buy a, a, a dark? We didn't know what to do, and so uh, we decided, well, let's pick in the middle. So we picked a brown doll, trying to hopefully get the best shot, you know, of this child getting a, a doll that kind of fits their life and their family and their circumstances, which certainly we we wanted to do. But all of that together, uh, just estimating the, what you have given as a church family is around $100,000 to angels this year. That's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of giving, a lot of generosity. And I'm telling you that you did that because of Jesus. Either in your heart, your own experience, or the influence of Christ in the world you grew up in and live in and live in now. Because Jesus has made it different. Not the self-indulgent way the Romans had lived. Not the judging, condemning way the Pharisees lived. But the way that Jesus brought God to our world. This is what God is like. But he wants, what he wants those who follow him to be like as well. So there's a lot of that story. Now the peaking part. How do we go further into that? Well the word is faith. Word we hear. Overused, underused, misunderstood. Faith is not a complicated concept, and we understand what the, what the Bible means when it talks about faith. Faith is simply knowing and believing what is already true. Hear me, please. Faith is simply knowing and believing what is already true. And what is true is first about me or you, that we are mortal, we are limited, 
Uh, we sometimes sin. We, we have weaknesses in our lives. We need, we need everything. We need God. We need other people. We need a church. We need a family. We need so many things in our lives. We're a people of need. And so faith is about simply knowing and, and the reality of myself and admitting it. Okay, here's the truth, God. I need you. That's it. I know it. I confess that. I believe that. I consume that in my heart and life. Faith is also knowing in that first context, with the second context, that, that who God is. And God loves me. God revealed that love in a very real moment of the birth of Christ. God saves me. He came to save me from my sins. God is with me, Emmanuel. And, and there's a light in that that brings hope to our future. It brings hope to tomorrow, hope to marriage and family and churches, communities, and the world we live in. As we reflect that, in our life choices and how we live. So that's really what faith is. It's a truth of us. It's a truth of God. God can save us from our sins. It's Emmanuel, God with us. <coughs> now I'm going to read another section of Scripture for you, but I want to give you a background for it first. It's Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 15. You do have a message page today. If you would like to follow along, you can. You don't have to, but if you'd like to fill in the blank, you've got that for you as well. If you enjoy doing that, if you don't, that's fine as well. Uh, Jesus had an active ministry for just three years. Three years is not a very long time. Uh, it took me five years to get through seminary, uh, a little over three years to get through college. I was in the military five years, a kind of one-year reserve duty. High school took forever because it just seems like that's forever when you're in the high school age. It's the way that works, you know. So you know what time looks like in your life. Three years is not a very long time. And Jesus came and moved constantly toward the cross where he was going to die for the sins of the world. He was going to redeem all the world through that sacrifice of God's death on the cross. The resurrection that followed that, the empty tomb, was to bring everlasting life to all those who would trust him. And that's, a, that's what we call the gospel that Christ was going. So he began to move in that direction at the very beginning for three years. But along that journey, he would stop continually and just teach people stuff about the kingdom of God, stuff about how they should live and could live and might live and need to live, and where the blessings of life can be experienced. He would also do things that I think are absolutely remarkable for someone in that time frame. We talked about Romans and Pharisees and Sadducees, and Jesus was different. Because he was God, Emmanuel, with us. What is God like? What does God care about? What is God doing in our lives? What is someone like who lives for and follows God through his son, Jesus Christ? So all that was happening there in what Jesus did. And he would stop and do just remarkable things. This is one of those things that he did and he stopped. He stopped for a while, and here's what it says. Then the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, bless them. But the disciples rebuked them, rebuked those people. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When you hear those words, don't just think about how sweet that is. And it's sweet picture, moment, you know, we have one in our house like that, a picture of that where children's, Jesus is blessing the children, but it's more than that what he's doing here. Because the disciples say, he has no time for you. 
He says, y'all are not important at all. He has better things to do, bigger things to do. He's got bigger stuff ahead of him, you know, and this is not an important time, an important moment, and you're not important. Please go away. That's what the disciples said to those people around. Religious leaders are standing on the side, surely thinking, if he was a real Messiah, a real prophet, a real Christ, if he was really God, if he claims as many claims, he would be messing with these kids. Be going to the temple and having us line up behind him, and together we would bring in this kingdom of God around the laws of the temple in Jerusalem and Judaism, and you know what some of those are. But instead he stopped and said, hey, let them come to me. He changed everything in that moment. No requirements, no expectations, no demands, no rules, just come. No peeking, opening the door, and come. And that's what I think Christ is always inviting us to do and understand. Just come. Just accept. Just believe. Just open our hearts and lives to the very living presence of Christ and a supernatural experience with God, not just what I believe or know or think, but what I feel and have in my life where I make that decision. We get a glimpse of that when we're doing the angel tree. A glimpse of that when we sing a, a Christmas carol. A glimpse of that when a gift is given or received. A glimpse of that when we bow our heads and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Give me grace. Save my soul, Lord. And, and Lord, help me in my life. I want to I live the way you teach me to live. A life change. The message titled today, The Gift of a Better Way. Where that comes from. Now, I want to give you four teaching points quickly today that, again, are on the message page. might help you they, as they do me. The first is this. The new why for life becomes love. Now, we know that the why of life is, the, is a big deal. When we take away the why, there is no life. There's no why for living. Then life becomes meaningless, senseless, empty. There's no hope in our future. The why of life moves us, challenges us, changes us, and also invigorates us with a joy of living. Why I live. Why I do what I do. Why I change what I change, serve where I serve, worship where I worship, bless where I bless, forgive where I forgive, give where I give, simply move into a day, into joy, a day God's given. What a beautiful day this has been, this Christmas season, to just cool enough to feel like Christmas, but also warm enough to stand outside and enjoy the sunshine, especially after the rain of last week. Why of life becomes love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's God's why. That's the why that moves God to give his son into our world, moves God to be in your life today, moves God to be present among us. He's chosen to do that, Emmanuel, God, with us, a Christmas story. And so that's why, that's the why of God he wants us to connect with and make that decision. I hope you'll make that decision today. Secondly, the new why becomes what can I give instead of what can I get? Uh, what a change. It's very uh, simple to look at that, I know, and we've probably heard that idea before. But life for many still is about what I can get, what I get, what I can get, what I want, what I like, what I deserve, what I wish I had, what I want to have. Somehow with the idea if I get those things, I'm going to be okay, be happy, be secure, things will be wonderful. And we, and we live that really untruth, that lie thinking that is true. The Bible teaches clearly that it's the giving of life away that really where the rewards are found. Now, now here's the, the, the irony of that, that we have no choice. We will give our lives away. We have no choice. 
you're giving one hour of your life away today by being present among us. This is an hour you've chosen to give to a worship service, singing Christmas carols, praying, uh, giving, listening to a sermon. You know, you've chosen to do that. We chose to spend about four hours decorating our house on, on Thanksgiving. We chose to give that four hours to sharing that, my wife and I, putting decorations up and trees up, putting setting stuff up. We chose to do that. We made that decision. Uh, we chose to spend uh, the other night uh, 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 to go after a Christmas party, Western Christmas, uh, Christmas party, we chose to, to go to uh, three stores. Took three stores to find what we're looking for for our, the angel refugee that we were trying to serve. We, and we looked around, we talked about what we should give, how much money do we have, you know, and, and we tried to balance that out and select things. And uh, coats are hard to find now, by the way, I don't know why. Uh, I guess everybody's there buying their coats fast, so we found a coat finally that fit this little girl. We chose to do that. Uh, we choose many things that we do in our life. We will give our lives away. What do we give our lives to? Who do we give our lives to? What do we give our lives for? Who do we give our lives for? The why becomes what can I give instead of what can I get. That is those who follow Christ. Christ said, I can give my life for the sins of the world. And he gave his life that way, not only in the cross, but also in let these kids come to me. You are wrong. You decide, you followers, you've missed the whole thing if you don't get this. Well, thirdly, got to explain this a little bit. Jesus made the unimportant important, the important unimportant, and the unimportant important. That's what he did. Because the disciples standing there think, we're important. We're his first followers. We're the ones that started this whole thing. We've been with him from the beginning. We know him like no one else. We are really important because we know all about Jesus. We know all the things that he taught. We've been close to him all the time. We've been religious longer than the rest of these people. We got it. We got it. That's what they're thinking about themselves, you know. And we're in charge of this, by the way, too. Who gets it and who doesn't? We get it all figured out, right? Uh, the Pharisees on the other side are saying, hey, we're the ones that are important. We keep the law. We follow all the rules. We're the most religious people on the planet. We're, we're everything, you know. They, they think they're important, and Jesus doesn't get that they're important. In fact, he says, you're not important at all. You're not very much, but these kids are. Let them come to me. If you get that, you understand that, then you understand what the Christian faith is really about. And our status with God's love for us, status that all, we all have with God. Those are important, unimportant moments in life, you know, and what that really means. Uh, we took we, some of our family here uh, to Prairie Lights. Only part of that's open now in Grand Prairie for those that ever go to that. that. There's still lots of lights there, but a little bit of water out in that area, and so it's not all available. But, but coming back, on the way back, uh, I sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with my two-year-old grandson. You know, we sang it together, you know, and he's really good at saying some of the words, not so good of others. He gets a tune pretty well, you know, but that was maybe the high point of my week. But I also thought during that twinkle, twinkle little star singing time of something else. My grandson, uh, great evening. We had our Chick-fil-A stuff on the way, you know, and uh, we, got, we, we got to go in there and enjoy that. We saw uh, there's a laser show there, you know. And I thought about... Uh, Three little girls I met about 10 years ago. Uh, had a chance to go to Africa the first time to Zimbabwe. Uh, there we helped support a school that's there, a very small school. Uh, probably, I'm just guessing, maybe three or 400 kids in the school, young kids. And we also provided food for them. 
uh, and the food that we provide, I helped unload some of that. I happened to bring it in while I was there so I could help unload that. Uh, 100-pound sacks of, uh, of food, which was some kind of peanut butter porridge mix. Looked bad, smelled bad, but they loved it because it's the only meal they had each day. That's the only meal they had once a day. Uh, they ate their meal on typically either pieces of cardboard or torn up plastic. Uh, we hunted all over Zimbabwe to find bowls for them so they would have bowls and gave them bowls. They thought that was a treasure beyond uh, uh, their, their dreams, to have bowls, eat their porridge in. And while there, the little African girls, Zimbabwean girls, come up, stand in front of me. I'm sitting there, just sitting there, kind of, kind of taking a break. They see me. They see the pastor over there. Pastors are a big deal in Africa, by the way. I'm not sure they are here, but they are in Africa. Uh, if you're a preacher, you're something there. Uh, and so they, they come up, and there I'm sitting, and then the three of them, about five years old, are wearing little blue outfits, uh, the uniforms that they wear. And you have to wear a uniform to go to school in Africa. It just seems like it's everywhere is the way it works. And if you don't have a uniform, you don't go to school. They won't let you in. They don't pay for the uniform. You've got to do it for your, yourself. So, so we had helped purchase uh, uh, sewing machines, and the teachers made the uniforms for the kids. They were all wearing a little uniform. And the little, those little kids who couldn't speak a word of English, came up to me and sang, twinkle, twinkle, little star together. Little cute African accents, uh, more like twinkle, twinkle, you know, little star. And I've, I've never forgotten that moment. I don't know if those little girls are still alive or not. Because half the kids in that school, probably half, had AIDS. Uh, for lots of reasons, that part of Africa was heavily influenced by that disease many, many years ago. No medication. We could only give them. A, we could give them uh, vitamins and things like that, but no medication for AIDS. So I don't know if they're still alive or not. But but I think about that moment and say, so so this is what Christmas is about. You know, this moment, the, the two-year-old singing with me, moment, or coming to church, angel trees, and and confessing my sin, coming to my heart. You know, and, and he made the unimportant, the important unimportant, and the unimportant important. Well, last point today of teaching point. Don't believe that those who say you're a big deal and don't believe those who say you're not. <laughs> doesn't sound like that much, but it's, it is important to understand that. Uh, people in your life, in the world, often will tell us that we're somehow important or a big deal uh, or we want people to do that. Either they say it or we hope they will and don't believe anyone who tells you that you, that you are. On the other hand, don't believe those that say that you're not of any value, you're not important, because Jesus says, I love you. I love you. Look at Christmas. My love for you says you're of great value. You come to me. What do the disciples say or don't say? What do religious leaders say or don't say? What do the church says or doesn't say? What have you heard or haven't heard? The answer is Christ says, come to me, and that's who God is, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to save us from our sins. And so we come today to the presence of the Lord in a beautiful way, what that means. So back to my original story. I am convinced that for many, Christmas is just a peek at the blinds. There he is. I see him out there. There's Jesus. He's coming on the 24th. We're going to light the candle, and then we're done. And we get on with whatever's next. It's easy to do that. Well, this is the season we sing Christmas carols, and I love Christmas carols, and we like it, and I enjoy those. those. Then we put the decorations up, and they've got to go back in a box, you know, and, and we just kind of forget what it meant and what it means to have God come to us in this remarkable way in his son, Jesus Christ, and we miss it. And just, just, just open the door. Let me in. Let me in. 
when I finish my show, I'll let you in. I've got stuff to do. I've got things I don't want to stop doing. I've got things I don't, I've got things I don't want to stop doing. If I let you in, I'll have to stop them. I've got things that I really don't want to do. I have no time for. I know I'll have to begin doing those things. So I'm just going to keep you right out there where I can see you every once in a while. We can every once in a while have that child God conversation, you know. And he says, are you going to let me in? Are you going to let me in? Let me in. And so we're about letting him in into our lives. And that means not only will our world change, but we will change as well. That's what we desire. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas and all that it means. We thank you, God, that in a world of self-indulgent people, in, in a world of judgmental condemning people, you still sent Jesus to us into Bethlehem to save us from our sins, to be God, Emmanuel, with us. Lord, we felt that call. We, we felt that, uh, that need to be drawn to you, so we came to church this morning, Christmas season, and Oh, Lord, you, you know we've enjoyed the Christmas carols that have been sung, and we have sung. We've enjoyed the decorations, the lighting of an Advent candle, a special season. And we're looking forward to the day of Christmas and all that Christmas Eve is about. And, Lord, we're taking a real strong God peek today at your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I hope you'll help us do more than just look at you, that you will come into our lives as we invite you to do just that. Into our lives, into our marriages and to our families, and to our church, and to our church, and to our world. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen.